Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is May 16, and our chapter for today is Esther chapter 6. The last words of chapter 5 read like this, And the thing pleased Haman, that is what his wife Zeresh and his friends told him to do, to build a gallows, to sharpen a pole for Mordecai and all of his ilk. So he had the pole sharpened. So he made the impaling pole. The gallows in the English were made. As we open up chapter 6, Esther's plan is working because the God of heaven is working the plan that he gave her. As you know, Esther had called a banquet after she had been granted entrance into the king. After he had said, you ask me for anything you want, Queen Esther, up to half of my kingdom and I will give it to you. And so Esther said, would you come and drink some wine with me? Would you come and eat some food with me? Because I've prepared something for you. I've got a big ask and I I want to make sure that you're understanding that I care for you. I want what's best for you. So you can bring your friend Haman with you because it's going to be something that he'll need to hear as well. And so as you heard in the last podcast, all of the plans were made and Haman went out to his family and his wife and bragged about how Queen Esther had invited only he and the king to the party. And I mean, he's the prime minister. It's going to be absolutely wonderful now. He has the king's signet ring. The Jews are going to be killed and he walks out and there's Mordecai the Jew, Mordecai the Jew. And he will not bow down. He will not bend the knee. And Mordecai said, even though all these things are going for me, rage is inside of him. Jealousy and envy and arrogance and pride has taken over his demonic life. And now he's miserable until Mordecai can be shamed openly and publicly. And so that night, after Esther had said I want you to come to a real banquet tomorrow and bring Haman with you that the king, after they had separated, when he went to bed that night, it says that the king could not sleep. Isn't it amazing how God troubles us? Isn't it amazing how God can trouble any ruler anywhere? You see, everyone has to go to sleep at some time. And God knows where we lie down and God knows where we get up. He sees us because he never sleeps nor slumber. And he that keeps Israel never sleeps or slumbers. And so God was working in tandem with Esther and her plan. And he troubled him. And for some reason, he wanted to read some history books. So 
The king commanded that the book of the records of the Chronicles be read before him because he needed uh, something to do. He couldn't rest. He was troubled in his spirit. And I believe that God troubled him about what was happening and about to happen to a huge segment of the population. And perhaps he was having king's regrets for the decision he had made. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of the two eunuchs the doorkeepers who had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus, that is, on the account that they were going to kill him. And because Mordecai had told Esther and Esther had told the king, these two men were found out and they were killed. And he found in the records that no honor or dignity had been given to Mordecai for this great deed. And so the king's servants who attended him said, nothing has been done for him. See, they were reading off all these things. The king wasn't going through these records. They had chosen out of all the records that he asked for to read these very things. Now, you don't tell me that the God of heaven was not in control of this entire situation. I mean, after all, there were chronicles and chronicles and chronicles book after book, scroll after scroll, codex after codex of records. And these men read these records and said, Mordecai, these are recent records. King Ahasuerus, this man has never been honored. And so about that time, the king said, who is in the court? And it was Haman. He had just entered the outer court, and so he was going to come in and suggest to the king now, early in the morning, that Mordecai need to be impaled for what he had done. He had not bowed down to the king's favorite man. So the king's servant said to him, Haman's standing in the court. And the king said, bring him on in. So Haman came in, and the king said to him, what would be done? What should I do? You see, Haman had no idea about what was about to happen. And so he he thought the king was asking so that he could honor him. And so he said, what should be done for a man whom the king delights to honor? And Haman put on the dog. Now, that for those of you who are not from the south, that's a, a way of saying he went all out. Now, Haman thought in his heart, whom does the king delight more than me? He's he's wanting he's asking me what should be done for me. And the man whom he would honor, well, he said, well, I'll tell you what should be done. And so he began to tell what he was hoping the king would do for him. He said, let a royal robe be brought, which the king has worn himself. I mean, that people have seen the king wearing and a horse on which the king has ridden. In other words, you need to treat him like a king. He was hoping this is what was going to happen to him and thought with all of his heart it was. And a royal crest placed on this man's head. In other words, it, you, he needs to be put up uh, just like he was king himself. Then let this robe and this horse be delivered in the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, someone that just they walk through and people bow down, that he may array the man whom the king delights to honor. Then parade him on horseback through the city and square and proclaim before him, thus it shall be done to the man whom the king delights. And I mean, it was perfect. Haman knew this was going to be the time of his life. Oh, what mama would do if she could see her boy Haman now. And so the king said to Haman, hurry. Take the robe and the horse as you suggested. 
And you could just see, I, I, I mean, they need to make a movie about this and just show with the best actor they possibly could just how puffed up this demonic man was. He said, hurry, take the robe and the horse, as you suggested, and do so for Mordecai the Jew. Do it for Mordecai the Jew who sits in the king's gate. Leave nothing undone of all that you, Haman, have spoken that should be done. So, so Haman took the robe, the horse, arrayed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city and the square and proclaimed before him, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Now, afterward, what a word. Verse 12, afterward. Afterward, what? After Haman had been totally humiliated. After Haman had paraded Mordecai with a robe on that the king himself had worn, that everyone knew that's the king's robe. That's the king's crest. It's on Mordecai, the Jew's head. And look, it's the king's horse that he usually rides on. And look, there's Haman, who's always with the king. He's now parading him in front of everybody and... Haman is shouting out, this is the man that the king has honored. Can you imagine the humiliation? I mean, this this is like a movie script, and it is only God wrote this living movie. Afterward, Mordecai went back to the king's gate, but Haman hurried to his house in mourning with his head covered. And when Haman told his wife, Zeresh, and all his friends everything that had happened to him, his wise men, his, his wise friends and his wife said to him, if Mordecai before whom you have begun to fall <laughs> is of Jewish descent, you will not prevail against him, but will surely fall before him. So now where are all his friends? This is the tale that always happens. Where are these advisors? Where are these friends? All of a sudden, they're not giving Haman the advice that he's wanting to hear. And the scripture says, while they were still talking with him, the king's units came and hastened to bring Mordecai to the banquet, which Esther had prepared. You see, the king had been up all night. You've got to understand this is what happened. Esther, in her great wisdom, gave God time to trouble the king. And so Esther said, king, tomorrow, and this would have happened around noon or the afternoon, tomorrow, come to this banquet. It's going to be absolutely wonderful. I want to honor you, and then I'll make my request and bring Haman with you. So Haman went out. He was so puffed up, and he saw Mordecai, and he was so enraged that he went in and said, oh, I, I, as much as I have been favored by the king, I can't stand that man. He makes my life miserable. I want to kill him. So he made a gallows. But God spoke to the king. He troubled the king and he sent in these units. You've got to understand all of this, the providence of God in the favor of God. And these eunuchs, these historians, the king's servants came in and just so happened to pick out, out of all the chronicles of the histories of what King Ahasuerus had done, and going back over all of his things that were troubling him, they found this story of a man named Mordecai who had saved the king's life and not one thing had been done. By this time it was morning. 
And on the other side of that spectrum, you have Haman who couldn't sleep at all because he wanted to get there and destroy Mordecai. He could not wait to get in and to ask the king to hang Mordecai and impale him on this long 75-foot pole that had been sharpened with Mordecai's name on it. And so he was waiting out early in the outer court. And the king heard someone out there and said, who is that? They said, well, that's Haman. He said, get him in here. I'm going to get him to do this. And after these servants had told about Mordecai, then the king said, what What could I do to really honor somebody that's been in the king's favor now that I'm going to really honor? So after Haman told all of these wonderful things that he would want done to him, it's Mordecai. And so now... He's in trouble. It's about noon. He's already had to parade Mordecai through the streets. Everything is going bad. And he runs home with his head covered and says, I am in trouble. Something has happened. I don't know what's going on. Everything's going crossways and sideways here. What am I going to do? And they said, oh, this is not good. This is not good. Now, you've made a bad mistake. By the way, they're the ones that told him to do it. But now he's made the bad mistake. He's followed their advice. And they fanned in his rage and flames of anger and jealousy and pride. And while they are still talking in his home, here came the servants of the king and said, Hey, Haman, we came to get you. You you went home. You should have come to the banquet. Now, come on, because you've got to go before the king. You've got to pass by Mordecai. Queen Esther has called for you. And so it's all set up. And when we get to chapter 7, we're going to find out what happens to the people who try to destroy the people of God. It doesn't work because, you see, God always has the final say. That's true for then. It's true for now as we walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.